Welcome to He's Abroad. Welcome back. I'm John. I'm in New Zealand, and I'm here with Jason, who's abroad in Jersey. Jason, how's it going today? Wonderful. Never been better. It's fantastic being in uh, being in Trump's America. Is it starting to get hot out of my life? Yeah, it's raining today, but I had shorts on a couple days ago, so that was nice. It was all right. Nice showing don't, those showing those legs it. off that are starting to atrophy. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, they're not. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why they're not. I started something. I started a new uh, workout regimen regimen. Yeah, that's the word. Um, So last weekend, I went back to Brooklyn and grabbed my Oculus Quest. Okay. Okay. I needed to uh, I needed to test something uh, for work. uh, And that was my excuse to go and get it. But I also downloaded this app, which is free. It's got a free 30-day trial. It's called um, Supernatural, okay? And Supernatural is a workout app. It basically is like Beat Saber, but there is a focus on the actual workout of it. So it's a subscription-based thing, and I don't know if I'm going to pay for it because it is expensive. It's free for the first 30 days, so that's what I'm doing. And then it's 20 bucks a month, which is wow. crazy. Down. That yeah, is yeah. crazy. But I mean, every I mean, look, though, okay. I mean, if you if you compare it to like a personal trainer membership or to a gym membership, it's not that expensive. So, But yeah, I hear you. 20 bucks a month seems like a lot to me, too. Yeah, so what they offer is imagine the gameplay of Beat Saber, and you also are supposed to uh, do squats like there's a lot of squats so in addition to these balls that you're supposed to whack at with your bats not lightsabers bats you got a black and white bat um, you also have a um, you also have these triangles that'll come towards you and you have to like squat uh, under them or lunge mm-hmm. under them to the left and right and let me tell you something it destroys destroys your quads your legs it's it, it leaves you a sweaty mess at the end of it um, there's also, they have these trainers. So at the start, you're talking to this trainer, but not talking, but they're talking to you and they're like, all right, we'll do some stretches. So they walk you through some stretches. And then during the songs, they are, they're talking to you and kind of motivating you and hyping you up the whole time. So they have these different ones each day and every day they add a new set list or workout to go through. And it was pretty great because it's always, it's, the, the one guy who's repeated is the guy who was on, uh, I guess it was Thursday or something. And it was this like 80s playlist. And it was just like this flamboyant dude. And he's just, and, and he's just like, yeah, just because this is light doesn't mean it's going to be easy. And it was songs like Duran Duran and Depeche Mode and like all these 80s songs, which is cool because you get some actually as some actually known music. And there's a ton of it. Because which is cool because you have licensed music, which is a cut above Beat Saber, where for the most part, like the core experience has these uh, like a lot of EDM electronic music from. Yeah, because when I was playing Beat Saber, artists. you had to like basically hack the game so that way you could play whatever song you wanted. People would release their own sort of song packs and then you could listen to whatever. But that's not that's not the licensed versions of the game. Right. And it was kind of uh, and it was fan made. So it was kind of hit or miss. Right. These are actually more um, hand designed. And it's licensed music. So today, same flamboyant trainer. I'm like, yes, I'm in for a treat. And it was like a girl power set list. So it was like, <laughs> it was Lady Gaga. It was Lizzo. It was 
uh, Ariana Grande. And I'm like, whatever, not the type of music I listen to, but it worked, man, for the purposes of these things. It's like, I'll, I'll burn through this song while I'm going through this workout. You know and, what, uh, I guess that 20 bucks pretty a good. month. I guess that twenty bucks a month is just paying for licensing. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. Right? <laughs> yeah, what is it paying for? It's paying for the licensing. It's paying for the uh, for the trainers because even though it's not live, they are like actually commenting based on the the songs that are playing. Like I don't remember the exact song that was he that was in this thing, but he says, "Yeah, this is the first track that I scored." So like there is context. So if they have a song, they assign the trainer to it, and they and they're doing some commentary to kind of hype you up in it as well and it's cool because it does also move you in a full 360 versus beat saber which just added that so you are like constantly turning moving your whole body working out and uh yeah it is exhausting and yeah yeah, they also the backdrops are also pulled from the they're like these 3d scenery screenshots so they are you are you doing this in a are you doing this in a public space? Like, are your mom and and grandmother looking at you like, oh, he's finally lost it? Hell no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no. In the in the room, actually, it's the same room I'm in right now, which is like an office. I basically cleared away. It was also used for my uh, it's like my niece's room when she's here. So there's like a porta crib here. Uh, so all I needed to do was move that stuff around, and I have a pretty substantially large space where I don't have to worry about hitting things. Although there is a fan and during the first time doing this, like you're supposed to really like the other thing that this does, that beat saber doesn't is it, um, is it also rates you on your power. So it encourages you to do like full swings of your arm instead of just like these quick actions. So I took a swing and I hit the, um, not the fan itself, but the, um, but the cord to pull the fan. I was like, what the fuck? What was that? What was that? You know, like anything, anything from the outside world, when you're in VR and anything kind of like breaks, whatever it is, like if you touch something, if you hit something, that's not yourself, I'll say, you know, like if you swing past your leg, whatever, it's your leg. But if you hit something, let's call it alien to the VR world you're in, it's concerning. <laughs> you're just like, oh, shit. Yeah, and, and it totally takes you out of the the immersion of being in a different world. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, otherwise, for the most part, it's uh, it's pretty cool. It's fun. It's painful. Uh, but I guess that's the point. Keep me in uh, keep me in that hockey shape. Get those uh, get those quads shape those nice. buns. You know what I'm saying? Cool. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah. So that that's what I've been doing. <laughs> that that's my recent revelation uh, moving from the apps to this thing. And we'll see. We'll see if I decide to do it. I, I've had to like skip some days with this because I literally cannot do a squat when they ask me to because it hurts so much. So well, look, it's working, man. I mean, you 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 don't have a gym membership, so paying twenty bucks a month, you can afford it. Even if you do have a gym membership, what you can't go. Well, you can't go in New York, yeah. So you can't go most places. Yeah, again, well, I guess they're opening cities- up now. I was about to say, a lot of cities are opening up. And again, I don't know how you physically distance in a gym. Um, you just go to a smaller gym like I do, where you're the only one in there at five in the morning. So, yeah. I but it's also weird that that's else. the thing. Disinfecting a gym, it feels more difficult. Aren't gyms kind of gross? Well, it sounds like you should be doing that anyways, right? That's one of those things that you're just like, wait, you haven't been disinfecting it in the first place? <laughs> like, you don't have extensive cleaning at the end or the beginning of every single day? Like, I'd figure you'd have someone – look, if I was running a gym, no, forget, I'd forget the day. Shifts, I'm, talking, right? I'm talking at the moment. In no, the that's moment, what I'm saying. You have, three, you have three shifts. You have a morning shift, a lunchtime shift where someone's going through and cleaning all the equipment. And you should have, like, a nighttime shift, at least three. But, I yeah, you tell – 
you expect people yeah you expect people to go through and you know they have the cleaning solution on the walls and the paper towel and you're supposed to clean up after yourself but i've been in enough gyms for enough time to know there's some real nasty people in the gym be sweating on the benches and get up and go up to the next thing they'd be coughing and hacking up like it's gross yeah well that's how that's why i'm saying you have a spotter you have a guy if they once somebody gets up from the from the bench you go down there you wipe it down they spray it with every single time you touch it they spray it off yeah yep (laughs) Yep, in between reps, wipe that shit down. Small price to pray to stay to stay ripped. <laughs> yeah, and you're and you're uh and you got jobs. That's more jobs. Yep. You got the uh the disinfectant guy. Put on the suit, hold this uh hold this disinfectant and uh scrub that stuff. You see a sweaty dude, rub it down. <laughs> this is a good idea. Yeah. Yeah. So hey, you wanted to we were talking before in our pre show meeting, because Oh yeah. Surprisingly, we actually do have a pre-show meeting where we don't actually talk about the show. We talk about our lives. <laughs> exactly. We talk um, about stuff we don't talk about on the on the record. <laughs> yeah, but you were talking about something that you wanted to bring up. Is this part of one of your stories or is this a separate thing that we should get into now? No, but it is something that I, we could talk about. So what I said was, I don't want this to basically TSA the world. Do you know what I mean by that? I'm sure you do. I know what you mean by that, but explain what you mean to the, to the other people who might not have the full context of it. Yeah, so before 9-11, the TSA didn't exist. So you just walk up to the gate, you show them your ticket, and you get on the plane, and everything was awesome. Well, not only that, not only that, I remember specifically my sister would travel overseas. This was probably like 99, right? I was maybe 13, 14, maybe even like mid-90s. I remember walking up to the gate as a kid. And like oh, yeah. looking out the glass at the at the plane as she gets on basically the ramp where you scan your ticket. I remember sitting there watching the plane pull off from the gateway. I, re- I remember all of that. And I remember just walking casually out of the airport. Like there was no – I think there was maybe like a metal detector maybe where you sort of had to walk through to make sure that you didn't have something on you. But other than that, you could walk directly into the airport. Yeah, but that was only at the gate. So yeah, like there are movies where they literally run up to the people at the gate and grab them. Well, look, like, don't one get of the, on the real, plane. I love one you. Of, one of the real surreal moments was when I first arrived in Wellington in New Zealand. The guy that was taking care of all my stuff at my company met me at the gate. I was like, what are you doing here? And he was like, how did yeah. you get here? <laughs> he had a little sign. I get in sitting there and he's like, hey, like, I'm like, whoa, this is nuts. You're like at the gate. Like, he's like, yeah, you just kind of walk through. Like, it's fine. But obviously, over time, they've started adding more security stuff in now where you can't walk that far. But you can still walk pretty far in most New Zealand airports. Like, well, it's an airport. You can pretty much walk almost to the gate. There's there's now sort of this big plastic thing that stops you from doing that. So, like, you, you're a bit outside of the gate. But, again, I've gone to the Wellington Airport for lunch. You can just walk into the airport where everyone's standing around and eat. You can see the planes pull off. Right. It's not Most of the airport when you're actually in the gate. And we've seen that in other airports as well, where it makes the most sense where you actually do your check before you get to the gate. Yeah. I mean, it just that just seems to make the most sense because if you are with family and then you want to just be like, all right, I'm going to wait with you until like last moment. Like if it, I don't know, because once you get stuck past that TSA point, you know, like you don't want to leave. So if you have a little bit of wiggle room over your flights delayed two hours, it's nice to not be like, well, shit, now I'm stuck in this airport because again, I'm on the other mostly, side of TSA. That's, that's mostly an American thing. Because even again, we've traveled enough overseas to know there's been some airports in Japan where like, you can kind of walk around this thing. Like, yeah, you don't really check in until you're Ishigaki. Right it was a grocery store. <laughs> yes, it was. It basically was. It was a giant grocery store. It was nuts. It's pretty awesome. It's a great airport. That airport is better than like 
I'm going to say 60% of the airports I've been to in, in the States. Yeah. Yeah. By and it, far. And it's small, <laughs> like really it's small. tiny, but it was totally a grocery store. There were people in there like buying meat. <laughs> yeah. So. They sold, they sold like giant ass fish. I don't yeah. know why <laughs> yeah. you buy that at the grocery store. But then again, that place is so small. I, we didn't really look for another grocery store, but everything was so convenient that I guess it makes sense. Yeah. I often like look at that place. Like I follow the guy Yam and uh, the Yam Burger place and see uh, like how, if at all, this the virus has affected <laughs> them. It hasn't, has it? I mean, his stories. No, he seems to just be doing his thing, painting stuff, and you know, really driving that brand, which is awesome. Um, it's just like this tropical Hawaiian themed <laughs> hamburger place. Yeah, because you come to find out that the he's got like love Hawaii. Yeah, and they got like their uh, their mask. He's got his mascots everywhere, and he's still taking. He's still uh, showing off that creepy ass dog. You know, he's he's living his life, doing his thing. But I think there is. They are also distancing there as well. Well, 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 for example, right? I'll give you Okinawa, right, which is the biggest of all of those islands down there. Yeah, has 142 confirmed cases and six deaths. So it's it's small, obviously. They don't have a lot of cases. It's very small. And again, Okinawa is one giant military base. Um, so I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of those are actually military people who have caught it. Um, but yeah, you would only imagine. I typed in Ishigaki COVID-19 and there's no information. <laughs> there's nothing. This place is probably just fine. I beg your pardon? No, <laughs> I don't yeah. think so. Yeah, well, so um, yeah, so before... Before 9-11 and before TSA, it was very easy. And now what we're doing with all these measures, it's like going into, you know, the social distancing, six feet away, wearing masks, limited capacity of restaurants. Everybody's kind of have this, this panic, you know, limiting people that could go into a grocery store, which I actually like because when you're actually in the grocery store, things go way faster, which is nice. You're not on top of people. So I do like that. Um, but I, there are things that I, I don't want this to be people like things are going to change. Things are going to change. Things are going to change. I'm like, well, but, but should they, and if they do, to what extent should they change? And I worry that like right now you want to have masks on, right? You want to take precautions. I understand that. But at what point do you say this isn't like, this isn't how we should live our lives. Like this is the second time something like this has happened, right? The first time was probably the Spanish flu. And well, they, they kind of just history, barreled, right? they just kind of barreled through that thing, right? Yeah. And, and that's <laughs> modern history as well. Because again, so, obviously there's the Black Plague. There's all these other ancient diseases that every once in a while someone will eat a eat a muskrat in the middle of nowhere and catch it. <laughs> like whatever. Someone ate like a beaver or something and, and caught the the black death or something nuts. Uh, but yeah. yeah, but for the most part, the Spanish flu is the most modern day and even that that's a hundred years ago almost so yeah but my hope is that we don't get to a point where you basically like what's that classic line those who sacrifice freedom for um safety uh deserve neither or something like that i'm sure probably sounds like something some, a white guy said <laughs> you sure did yeah probably Benjamin franklin <laughs> i don't know but regardless I don't I feel like our efforts should be put forth um preparing to respond better for these and versus just like going into this thing where well masks are now a thing forever now everybody's got to wear masks now like that's never that should never really be the goal if 
we shouldn't be like, well, if you want to be safe, you got to wear the mask. It's like, well, not really. Like, I already see a kind of overreaction. There are people who drive their cars and wear masks. It's like, guys, no, that's wrong. That's not what you're supposed to do. People who just walk around and they're not even near anybody wearing masks. The mask is not the silver bullet that's going to stop you from getting sick. I'll take a walk outside and I'm not wearing a mask. If I start, if I know I'm going to be around people, you wear a mask. That's, that's the difference, right? Um, but when this goes away, when there's, and it's not going to go away, right? But when there's, effective treatments to it even even a vaccine like i think treatments are probably going to come before the vaccine like when they find a way to reduce the symptoms to decrease the amount of deaths uh, that's that's kind of when you could be like all right well we could start getting a bit back to normal and just be smart wash your hands more quit touching your face well, look, just don't I would be say a monster that your, your best hope scenario is that this does become the flu right because we've had the flu around for years, and every every season it comes around, you get a shot, or you don't. Some people catch it. Some people die from it. But for the most part, you can go on about your life. You just know, hey, it's flu season. You should take extra care if you're sick, stay home, all that type of stuff, right? Like Get a shot. That's, yeah. generally, that's generally what we've done for the last 60, 70 years with the flu, I, although I, I don't know when the flu vaccine was, was out. Um but yeah, for the most part, that's how people tend to live. No one, you know, we didn't shut down businesses and schools and things because of the flu, because it was flu season, right? Yeah. Um, and there are like good flu seasons and bad flu seasons, right? Yes. Like that's the, yes. And again, the different. flu mutates, right? The flu is different where they go, this shot is not as effective as the last year's shot because something happened and it mutated. Yeah. And no shot right? is 100% effective. Like I, I'm going to look up what's the most effective flu shot. Yeah. So, so look, I mean, that's the best case scenario. I think the worst case scenario is sort of this TSA approach. But the problem is, is that what you're explaining is kind of specifically an American thing to that level, because here in New Zealand, no one's wearing, like, there's a few people wearing masks, very few. But I've kind of gone on about my life the last week. I've gone to the hardware store. I've picked up food from restaurants. I went out and had dinner with a couple of coworkers. I did I had lunch with a couple of coworkers. For the most part, walking around, everything is fine. And why is that? Because you're a small island nation that closed off its borders and basically has a handful of active cases. Like we went all of last week except for one day with zero cases. And the one day was one case. So, like, the, the virus is essentially beaten here. There, It's not in the community. There's specific clusters where this exists, but for the most part, everyone's walking around like it's normal. We're still in level two where you can't have huge gatherings, but for the most part, I, people are not really following these social distancing are restaurants rules. open? Restaurants are open. Like, I went to a restaurant, and it was packed full of people. You're kind of like, ooh, this doesn't seem right. But then as you go on, you're sort of like, you know, unless all of a sudden someone flies over here and this thing breaks out again... For the effective part, New Zealand has beaten the virus. Like the, the coronavirus is not here. It's here in very small clusters where people know exactly where they are. We're doing the contract tracing stuff where you put in your name and information. But that's really more of like the visual thing of, hey, we're doing our part to keep you safe. But really, I'm just like, you know, with how close we are, it, none of these people have this thing. Yeah. So I don't. Again, the TSA of this is also like it's sort of like the 9-11 thing, right? Like that happened in the U.S. where the U.S. got extremely strict with airline travel and all this stuff. But then you fly out to the rest of the world. And I learned very quickly, hey, that's just an America. This whole TSA thing. It's America and Australia. I felt it a bit. Some of these bigger countries that have dealt with terrorism, right? So to me, this is kind of the same. You'll see a change in countries that have been hardest hit by this. So you'll see a change in Italy and Spain. China, you'll see no change because they've dealt with this plenty of times before. They they reacted to this for a country of 
basically 1.2, 1.5 billion people, they don't have near, and again, sure, you can say they're lying about their death count, whatever, you can say all these things. But from the onset of it, and I've got friends who are in Shanghai, they're back to normal. And they've always worn masks. They've always sort of had a culture of, hey, if you're sick, wear a mask. Right. So, I, again, if this, if the TSAing of this happens, it's going to be an American and probably like a, like a Western culture thing, not so much a rest of the world thing. I hope not. This is where I'm in the camp of like, <laughs> I get this is also being politicized, right? As as you'd expect, yes. because everything has to be right. So the, and because it's an election year. To be fair, it's an election year, and so if you're the president right now, and this is happening under your watch, you're either doing really great, like the prime minister here in New Zealand is, where she basically the the other political party is falling apart here. Because the dude that was running that political party, he just basically was just the opposition. So she said, we need to shut the country down. He says, no, we don't. Hey, we need to do this. No, we don't. He was just being the opposition. He was just basically everything she said. He said the opposite and it crushed him. They did these polls and they were like, and they were just like, dude, like you don't have a chance in hell in winning. Everyone loves her because she basically, again, New Zealand is you know in front of the world being like, hey, we solved this thing. We're going back to work. So, yeah, like you either have that where you have a Jacinda Ardern where she basically is going to be the next prime minister and her government's going to run the country by itself because everyone's like, you know, I might not like her politics, but wow, did she handle this so much better than the way Trump did. <laughs> and that's all and you really you want, the, right? Because moment that, to moment, you don't necessarily feel the difference. No, I know that depending on who you are and what social circles you're in and long term, you probably will feel the difference from party to party. But day to day, you don't really feel the difference. Like tomorrow, you're not going to feel any different than today based on her policies. You right. know, it's but, really but slow look, moving. I, but but yeah. what you want is that when tomorrow a crazy world-altering event happens, you want somebody who's actually capable to handle it because that will affect you today and tomorrow. Well, that's the thing, right? Like especially here in New Zealand, she's handled every single crisis almost perfectly like weirdly perfectly where like the mass shooting that happened here in march last year she handled that better than anyone has ever handled something like that period um it was amazing and everyone's like well wow they they got to that real quick the same thing with the with the volcano that happened in december where all those people were on that island and that volcano erupted same thing handles it perfectly and then this thing happens and she handles it perfectly and so like it's either or either you become this media darling where you're great and you handle everything perfect because not just her i'm sure there's other countries where people have done a very stellar job and the country's like yeah this person this is my leader this is who i want and a lot of them tend to be women leaders as well like when it comes times like this women tend to be a bit more compassionate than men who are like we need to get the economy back going women are like no i actually feel for your family and your and your mothers and your fathers and the people that are surround take care of your family that's what's most important and so, look, real quick, I just want to read through the, the, the who has the most cases, right? It's U.S., Brazil, Russia, U.K., Spain, Italy, Germany, Turkey, France, Iran, India, Peru, Canada, then China. You name So you can it. say China's, say China's lying, right? <laughs> you can say that they're lying. But if you look at that, that's what, 15 countries now with more cases than China? So you'll see this TSA happen in U.S., U.K., Spain. Italy, Germany, France. You'll see it happen in those countries you before it. you see it happen anywhere Sorry. else. I just want to. <laughs> <laughs> so look, look I, I don't like, I, I think it's going to change the world whether we like it or not. I think travel is going to be much harder. I think it's going to be much more expensive. 
See, that's what um, I, that's the other stuff that it's like, come on guys. Like we really, really look, man, we stuff? Are people not going to travel anymore. Is that not going to happen? I mean, look, thank God I've, we did what we did. If that's the case. Yes. I truly, believe, I, really hope I truly that, believe that me and you specifically got the peak of what, what globalism is going to look like. Travel was cheap. It was fast. You could get places for relatively little money, right? Like you could travel the world. And even if you're on sort of a really regular salary, if that's what your main goal was, if you're making sort of what people would consider the medium wage in America, what is what I'm guessing is 40, 50,000, which isn't much money. But if you really said, hey, look, I want to spend all of my I spent all of my sort of the money that I have left over, what little of that I have, and I want to spend it on travel, you totally could. It was affordable. You totally could yeah. sit there and say, okay, I don't really care when I go. I just made – I want to go to Japan. You could sit there and wait for those tickets to drop. I mean you were getting tickets to Japan for what, 600 bucks? Yeah, round trip was uh, – yeah. That's crazy. Yeah. And you'll never see that again. I just believe you won't see that again because there's going to be less airlines. There's going to be more, you know, more focus on, okay, well, we can't fly all these people in the same thing. We've got to start changing the way some of the seating is laid out. We need to make sure that we have – less that's frequent trip is people that, are traveling is as that much. actually going to happen you, yes, you think that's i believe it will i think it that's is. one yeah, of those things that i'm talking about though like again a lot of people two years travel two through... years from now two years from now that's gonna uh, you won't be where we were a year ago uh, there'll uh, probably absolutely. be some differences but i don't know man because they yeah I'd i guess say, they take look, such a big hit that they're all shell-shocked like all the industries are lucky if you're lucky it will be close to what it was in in 2025 if you're lucky I give it five years because, look, a lot of travel was subsidized by business travel, right? People used to fly. Oh, I'm going to fly to Japan for a week to do this business meeting. No company is going to take that risk anymore. They, they Again, we, we've for years, we got told, oh, remote working. Oh, that's so hard to do. Ah, I don't really know if we can do it. We all got forced into that, right? A lot of companies like Twitter are realizing this is really efficient. We are, we're going to save a ton of overhead on having all these office spaces and telling people, hey, we've got cereal and stuff in the in the lounge and we've got these open spaces. We did all this giant building redesign in order for you to basically live at the office. And then they realize this is less efficient and less safe than if I just let that dude stay at home. He could do the same job. We're all using somebody, Zoom. But, if, but OK, take away the work from home thing. Then it's more work remote. So in the work remote world, wouldn't leisure travel increase because i could work basically work from anywhere so but again i guess it's initial more subsidization on, of business yes. like why wouldn't i like you know i would basically if i'm gonna go visit my dad for example on the other side of the country i could do that whenever i want if i'm remote as long as i am available and work in the hours which i would do i'd work remote before and do that there but it was more of like this eh, you know people people would see it as kind of this this hairy thing because you're not in the office or you're really doing it. But in the way, in a world that everybody's doing it, you can basically do whatever you want. Yeah, I'm going to I'm going to the beach. Getting the hours done. What does it matter if I'm if I'm doing it on a beach or not? Am I getting the work done? Who cares where I am? The, if I'm on a beach or if I'm in my apartment, doesn't make a difference. I'm going to go somewhere. You know, when I, I was in Barcelona, it- I I hopped on and did some work while I was while I was next to this infinity pool because I can. Yeah. Look, I, I, I think that you specifically, because even for me, that's not as easy, right? Like, I think it depends on the job. And a lot of people, as I'm learning, aren't able to work remotely, right? So, like, you right. sort oh, of now have yeah. this, you now sort of have this mixture of cultures where you have a bunch of people that can work remotely because they're all, they all have tech jobs or they're, you know, they have a job that involves them being on a computer. 
And then you still have a giant section of the country that can't, right? So now you've got these two sort of complete polar opposites where before everyone was like, everyone kind of goes to work. Sure, you've got the option to work remotely when you're traveling because, hey, we need you to be on this call. We need you to monitor stuff. So sort of like what you've done when, when we've traveled. But like, for example, you've never really seen me. I've done it a couple of times, but I've never really worked remotely until now. Like I have access to emails and have access to looking at stuff, but I can't actually do the physical artwork that needs to be done. So again, I I just think that that automatically is going to have people who have family units and who have significant others go, you know, we're going to pick a place that we like to live. Maybe we move outside of the city. Maybe we move somewhere cheaper because you can now work remotely right? A lot of people live where they live because, oh, it's a quick work to the, it's a quick walk to the office or, oh yeah, I live in, you know, I live in, I live in Mountain View and by Google because it's easy. I can ride my bike to work. But if you don't have to go into Google, why the hell would you live there? So I don't think people would be so willing to travel back and forth. I think people would be more willing to move as an, I'm going to go now live in the middle of Colorado somewhere because I love this place and I'm now going to do remote work. So people are going to feel less of the need to escape what they normally do, because again, I, a lot of times I go on vacation is to escape going into the office every single day. It's just to completely close that stuff off. I don't try. I'm not going to be as willing to travel and work, right? Travel for me is getting away from work. So if I'm already away from an office, I'm going to be less, I'm going to probably feel less need to travel. Like, honestly, I haven't really felt that need to go traveling places. I've been working at home. I've been way more relaxed than I've been in years. And I just think there's more people who feel that way as in, hey, I'm spending more time with my family. Maybe people will start traveling more as it gets more convenient. But I think you're probably you're probably a bit more of a different of the people who are more willing to say, hey, well, I'm a digital nomad. Right. Whatever that phrase used to mean. As in, I'm going to go I'm going to go live in I'm going to go live in Chiang Mai in Thailand where everything is cheap and I'm going to do my job from here. So I'll just take a bunch of contracting jobs. Hey, look, I know I know um, database programming i could do mysql i could do Perl. i could do all this stuff i live in chiang mai and i just i write code and i pay you know 100 bucks a month for rent i pay 20 bucks a month for food and i'm banking money and i'm and i'm going to the those hookers every night <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah again what people can live whatever life they want to live and they're not stuck in well now i've got to live in downtown san francisco where i pay five thousand dollars a month for a place to rent and food costs me a thousand dollars a month fifteen hundred if i'm going out and you know it's full of you know homeless people and i don't really like the city and i've got to go into this office every single day i i just don't think that you'll have people who are willing to sort of travel around because one, they have a partner or a significant other or kids who can't work remotely, who can't do school remotely, but it allows them not to have to go into an office. So maybe they just move further away. Maybe they don't live in big cities anymore. Maybe that whole millennial push toward living inside of giant cities just doesn't exist anymore. Maybe that's gone. Yeah, I hope not. I hope not. Uh, Look, man, I hate to break it to you, but I think the world has changed. I really do. I think that this whole remote working thing has opened up so many, so many people's eyes and so many businesses' eyes. About I think you're what's right. Really I, I agree. I agree there. I where I don't want where I I'm not really worried about that. I do. I am interested in what that is. Like, yeah, if the price goes up, fine, whatever. You'll save money on things that you would have done otherwise, like commuting costs, gas costs, tolls, things like that, right? Um, so whatever you're saving can go more into leisure, like, uh, like a flight or something somewhere else. And that's cool. But is, is a mall never going to be a thing again without, without masks? Probably. Yeah. In in America, absolutely. 
you're saying it won't be. You're saying everybody now, for now on, moving forward. Look, man, unfortunately, this 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 is I hate to say it, but this is worse than 9-11 in the grand scheme of how it's going to change America. It's worse because this used to be a an Africa thing. This used to be a China thing. We don't get viruses like that here. That goes from those people living in mud huts, eating wild animals. I'm looking at the confirmed cases. The U.S. beats everybody. Oh, yeah. By about three or four times. The U.S. has 1.64 million cases. The next country is Brazil with 340,000 cases. This thing has hit America harder than anywhere else in the world. By, like, by multitudes, by magnitudes of three, four times. I think people are terrified. And I think it's not necessarily you. And it's not necessarily some of us who are like, well, look, I mean, yeah, we get over this thing. As long as you stay inside and you just mind your business, you'll be fine. But there's people in the middle of the country who figured that I live in the middle of the country because I don't have these big city international globalist problems. And it's destroying those communities economically and physically. Well, that's where I worry that the politicization of this is going to make things worse and coming from both sides of it from equal way. Whereas you have Trump who's like, open everything. Like now he's saying churches are an essential business. They're not. Um, if you're going to try to explain that to me, then I would just. Well, first of all, no, they're I, not I would end this business. podcast right now. They're right. not a business. So he wants them to open up. But there's, <laughs> so, like, he's you, all about like, liberate your state. Go go open up your country. Take back, take control of your city. Uh, that that's what he's all about. Whereas you have, and which is wrong, I think to an extent, especially right now, it's like, dude, the numbers are going up. He was saying that from the jump, like we shouldn't shut things down and saying things like, is the cure worse than the disease? Things like that. Yeah. Uh, then you have the other side, which doesn't really seem to have, like you have a more measured approach by somebody like, uh, Cuomo in, in New York, but he, where it's like, yeah, you have to hit these criteria, then we can start opening. It will open in in phases. Uh, but the general message is more like, stay home, don't do anything, wear a mask. Like all there is just demonization of everything that's going on to make sure, like, stay safe, wear a mask, don't don't go anywhere, do all these things. And it's like, okay, you're right to an extent, but let's think about the message here because that could effectively scare us into a into a T TSAified nation when well, that look, shouldn't I, be the goal that yeah. should never be the goal and i worry right, that but if you but it'll become it, the goal by the yes. outcome of the politicization of and it. that's the problem is that by politicizing right what's the you politicize especially at a time like this you do it through fear and you say hey look i don't want you to fear let's go we're america strong again it's the same rally cry as 9-11 really right Hey, we're getting back to work. The, they, the terrorists will not win. They can't win. They're not going to change our way of life. They're not going to change the way that we interact with each other. We're going to go over there and we're going to go bomb the hell out of these brown people. It completely changed America forever. It did. America's changed since 9-11 completely. Oh, yeah. And so as much as, oh, yeah, we're going to get back to way, the way things were, people realistically said things will never be the way that they were. And this is the same thing. Trump has taken that same rallying cry of, we need to get back to work. This isn't a big deal. We can solve this. Don't worry about it. Just a little virus. You'll be fine. 
yet people know what's actually happening. And so you politicize this by him doing this. It's also stroking fear, which is kind of what you want. You want people to be afraid and you want them to just listen to, hey, is it safe for me to go? Okay, I can go because the government told me so. And that's kind of what they want. But again, it's tough because I think that if you would have handled this right in the first place, if you would have actually been presidential and said, hey, look, guys, I understand that we all have these individual states, but this is going to, based on all the things that I've been told in January and February, this potentially has the way, and this this is what sucks about Trump, right, is that he told all of us he was a businessman, right? He told all of us, hey, I'm, I'm a business guy, right? I'm not a politician. I know Which money. I know numbers. Crazy, considering yes. people are like, that's why I want him, and he declared bankruptcy how many times? A lot. But still, regard even if you believed it, right? Like I'm give let's give sure. Trump the benefit of the doubt that he's yeah. Jeff Bezos or he's some businessman, right? Who understands money and money. numbers. I think that's an yes. actual quote he had. <laughs> Probably. So he let's just say that he he's he's right, right? He's a he's a money guy. A money guy would have saw this and said, Screw I don't care about the health side of this. I'm looking purely at economics. And economics in January tell me we're gonna be in big trouble unless we do this. And I really believe that if Trump was truly a money man, he would have came out in February, March, said, hey, guys, so we're going to shut this down, not because I'm afraid that the virus is going to kill a bunch of you. It's because it's going to kill the economy. So if we do this faster, I'll make sure that all – look, we're going to lose some people. But financially, we have to take these steps now to shut this down so that way we can open by this time so that way there's a minimal effect on the economy. He hasn't done any of that because he's not a money guy because it's all smoke and mirrors. He's not a businessman. He's not a very good businessman. Instead of just saying, open up the economy, he should have closed it down to begin with because he would have probably been better suited to open it up faster. Instead of doing this, he's just going to continuously wreck the economy because he does. he's not a money guy. He doesn't understand the numbers behind it. Yeah. Well, so that's the disingenuous part, that even on that end, I would actually be fine if he was completely savage to the human health side of this thing and just said, hey, guys, I'm looking at the money. I'm looking at the numbers. And the numbers tell me I need to shut this thing down because if you die, we don't make money. People would have been insulted by that. But I also would have been like, you know what? That's what he told us he was. He told us he was a business dude. And that's what he's doing. He's looking at this financially. But now it's it's all just politically. That's why it's he's opened political. up the churches because those are the people that will vote for him. He opened up the churches. The Democrats don't want you to believe in God. <laughs> like that, That's what it is. Like yeah. the Democrats They're are saying heathen. God's not essential. Yes. What yes. about the mosques? No, not the mosques. They're not essential. Just the churches. Yes. Just the churches. What about Just the synagogues? The they count my money. Yes. Good. Yeah. They could open up. <laughs> but again, that's what I, I think I saw a clip where his press again, secretary. Again, that's like, riffing on another quote he had. <laughs> where his press secretary said, well, it seems like there's a bunch of people in this room who don't want people to go back to church. And again, that's politicizing. Like, no, that's not what anyone's saying. Everyone is basically saying, like, is it safe? I don't want to die going to church. That's not the point of going to church. The point of going to church is not to die, it's to live. <laughs> Who would have ever thought we would look back on Sean Spicer and be like, yeah, that guy was pretty good. <laughs> like, yeah, these, they just keep getting worse. <laughs> they just keep getting worse. Um, so answering a question from before the U.S. vaccine effectiveness by year, I have um, I have the numbers from back until 2004. 2019 is an estimate. What do you think is the highest effective percentage? The highest effective of what people who who would have gotten the flu but didn't because they took the shot. No, so you get Sorry, a vaccine. I'm, I'm, right? I'm, I'm, I'm trying to I'm trying to remember what we were talking about as far as this no. Flu so the you, the the vaccine effectiveness. What is yeah. the effectiveness that the vaccine works like? 
what percentage of flu symptoms what percent of flu does it stop i guess gotcha. is the okay best way to okay say so basically saying, like yeah saying saying for all the flu shots that we developed this flu vaccine and we tested it in a petri dish and it stopped the flu this percentage of times exactly okay uh yeah. i'm or gonna like say the 100 highest... 100 people got the shot 50 people still got the flu it was 50 percent right. effective i'm gonna say the highest is 80 80 82 percent would be my highest it's very specific and wrong. So the highest effectiveness was 60%. Okay. And that was in 2010. The lowest was... Can I guess the lowest? Can I guess the yeah, lowest? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, go for it. Because that was so off before. I'm going to say 15. No, you're a little closer. 10%. And that was the first year they uh, they have here, which is 2004. Going backwards, uh, the 2019 is effective is looking at 45%. Although my guess is those numbers are kind of muddy because yes. some of those flu cases were probably coronavirus. Yeah. Uh, 2018, 29%. 2017, 38%. So it's not very effective. 40%. No, it's like it's only been over 50%. One, two, three, four times in the last 16 years. So vaccine's not going to save us here. It's got to be more about treatment. And I think once we get to that treatment, then it's like, all right, we can we can give things kind of back to normal. But, you know, just don't be savages anymore. Well, what people don't know about coronavirus yet is whether or not this thing mutates like the flu. Right. Because it might be something where eventually everyone just gets it and then we all have the antibodies and it's dead. Yep. Or. What you don't want is what we have with the flu, which is you have a very highly contagious virus, which the flu is contagious, but not as contagious as coronavirus, and then it keeps mutating. So you go through this every single year to some degree, and then you just, like you said, you just learn to live with it, where it's like, well, we're all going to get it at some point, just like, you know, with the flu, everyone's going to get the flu at some point in their lifetime, I would assume, right? Like the odds of you getting the flu over the, let's just say there's a window of 30 years of your adult active life where you're probably going to catch the flu. I, I I would just guess that, right? Because that's a, that's a long year. That's a long time. Tons of flu. Well, that's what happened to Spanish flu, right? Spanish yes. flu mutated, and it wasn't as bad. Things are okay. Yeah, that's so the coronavirus scenario, might be but you're just rolling the dice. Where we're all going to sort of catch it in some way, shape, or form over time, and maybe you just have better – we know the symptoms. You can get on top of it faster. You can make sure that you don't let the symptoms progress because of, you know, you need a ventilator and all those other things that are, like, worst-case scenarios. Um, maybe that's where we get, cause yeah, I think even if they come up with a vaccine, there's a good chance that this thing mutates and becomes something different, which is why countries like New Zealand are like, yeah, we beat it so we can keep our economy open, but a big percentage of our economy is based off of tourism and that industry is going to die because I can't have Jason who's in the U S who thinks he's fine, come over here and come to find out he has it. And now it's spread out through this community again. And all of our isolating and lockdown goes for nothing. Too bad. I got news for I'm coming over. Yeah. I'm coming. This is the point. This is the point, right? So like, I, who, who knows? Who knows? Oh, that's We're cool. I'm going to move there. I'm going to move there, though. We are going to get married after you have citizenship. And you will. Can you get can uh, can you get uh, gay married over there? Yes. It, I believe it was the first country to legalize it. Wonderful. Now, if we get married and then we get divorced. Can I? And after I get citizenship, can I stay? Like, do the thing that. So you're talking that about like a someone... 90 day fiance scenario. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> where someone gets married to, to an American to go... citizen. I'm then yeah. responsible for you because I, you're you're under my visa, 
And then you decide, we decide that we want to get divorced, yet I'm still responsible for you. So if you kill someone, I'm responsible for that. Yeah, but I'm not going to kill somebody. I'm just going to. Look, I don't know what you're going to do. I'm not even going to, I'm not even going to come after half your money. You're, you're gonna... talking about divorcing me. I thought this was true love. <laughs> no, 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 it's not. And if this does happen, we might have to erase this episode. Because <laughs> <laughs> this is, this is proof that the scheme was, uh, yeah, the scheme was. I'll just contract. say, no, this, we were, we were in an argument. <laughs> <laughs> and I, yeah. was, I was just being gagey. I needed, I needed the commitment. So that happens. I get citizenship. Then I can stay. Yeah, yeah. And look, they're going to be looking for skilled workers, anyways, because uh, oh, New Zealand shit. works. Well, then I of... guess I'm not going. I <laughs> not. I do not fit that category. Yeah, you've got you've got skills. You've got a you've got a you've got skills in project management, which is probably needed here as people mm. come up with new projects. So yeah, I think you'd be you'd be able to get over here probably pretty easy. It's just as long as you don't Strong bring work. coronavirus with you, you should be fine. I'll I'll do my best. All right. I'll be there soon. All right, let's get off of this. Um, I'm going to kill one of these stories I had. We'll just call that last one the first one. Um, the the one that I'm killing is um, a pancake house that stayed open in L.A. Um, I would have kept it on this as a choice, but we just spent a lot of time talking about coronavirus, and um, it's really long, so I'm not going to read it. <laughs> Your two choices for the news. We got uh, Putin and Solitaire. We're going to do Putin first, then Solitaire. All right, cool. Reading from the Moscow Times. This has got to be a first. (laughs) Moscow Times. (laughs) Independent news from Russia. I would have not guessed if you would have given me 20 guesses that the Moscow (laughs) newspaper would be called the Moscow Times. Just going to say that. I I don't think it's the Moscow newspaper. I think it's a Moscow newspaper. (laughs) Yeah. So it makes sense. You wouldn't have guessed that? It sounds too. It sounds too fake. It sounds too made up. Yeah, I would have given it a more Russian, like a real, more Soviet name than the Times. <laughs> mm, fair enough. Okay, here we go. Putin adds patriotism and war history to school curriculum. Sure. Yeah, President American Vladimir style. Putin. Here we go on Thursday. Uh, President Vladimir Putin submitted legislation Thursday adding patriotism and war history to Russia's education law. Putin's amendment seeks to add, quote, a sense of patriotism and citizenship, respect for the memory of the defenders of the fatherland and the achievements of the fatherland's heroes, end quote, to the law's current definition of upbringing. His proposals, which need votes of approval in both House of Russia's parliament, as well as his own signature before entering law, follows a year-long trend of militarization of young Russians that has sparked heated public debates. Putin established a military patriotic youth movement in 2015 and created a patriotic directorate there we go. in the Russian armed forces in 2018. Security officials began sending delinquent juveniles to military patriotic re-education camps last year. Yikes. And the military announced plans to hold annual education camps for high for high schoolers at a military-themed park near Moscow. It's an interesting sentence. Earlier this month, Putin reiterated his long-held stance identifying patriotism as Russia's national idea. Observers noted Friday that Putin's proposal cites an article in the Constitution that is yet to take effect because of a postponed public vote on new amendment Putin has proposed in January. Those amendments also contain provisions allowing Putin, 67, to extend his 20-year rule into 2036. Wow. Wow. Yeah. See why Trump likes this, dude. 
I think it's a pretty good idea. This guy, he's got some great ideas putting in laws that make him <laughs> that make him ruler for another 16 years. President. He's he was elected allegedly. And for the first time, I guess his um his popularity and quote like it was always about 80%. Now it's dropping to like the 60s because of how Ooh, he's handling okay. coronavirus. Okay. Yeah. The the one benefit of the coronavirus is that it might actually cleanse uh certain bad things in the world like the the air has never been better yeah but it's also coming back down putin like yeah yeah again it's short-lived because people aren't gonna you know they're gonna ramp up their bad behavior because they can so but if you're staying home from work anyway let's not get down that rabbit hole yeah so yeah here we go (laughs) patriotism for history i uh, this is a bit over my head because i don't know much about the inner workings of uh of Russia, but when I see that he's trying to make a more militaristic <laughs> youth, this is concerning. It's a little uh, World War Two ish, <laughs> mm-hmm. is it not? Yeah, let's talk about history. Remember the Soviet Union? Remember it? We're still in it. What do you mean we're still yeah. in it? Yeah we're, yeah, we're taking it back. Yeah, I mean, look, I don't remember like, when they America- took Crimea. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> that, this is ours now. Like, what? Yeah, that wasn't that what wasn't you... that long ago either. That was no, like it was like, yeah, it was not very long ago at all. It was a couple years ago, and he's just like, yeah, it's ours now. Wait, no, you can't. You can't just do that. Yeah, look, like, I don't. I mean, at the same time, I would say that America has a bit of that. We try to be a bit more objective to history, but every country writes their history the way that they want to. Like, I mean, like I think Germany is the one country that's probably done the best job of sort of explaining, Hey, we got our butts kicked. We lost and this should never happen again. Yeah. Versus like Japan, right? Hey, we're not going to teach that because yeah. (laughs) Yeah. They actually do it in Lithuania as well. Um, I was talking to one of the guys when I went over there, one of the guys at the developer, we had this, uh, he drove me back to the airport. So we were like in the car, just like talking about a bunch of stuff, uh, while going from Kaunas to Vilnius. And I looked at when I said I was going to Lithuania, I don't know if I told you the story, but when I, when I said it, I told my dad, I was going to go over there and he's like, Oh, I think they killed a lot of Jews there in the Holocaust. I was like, Jesus, Jesus. <laughs> oh my God. Wow. What a horrible, like, all right, thanks. So I looked it up. I said, they did. They sure did. He was not lying. Yeah, that, I mean, that actually did I mean, happen. look. And, and I asked yeah. it. So I asked the guy straight up because we were talking about, you know, we we're talking like politics. We were talking about just stuff. And then I said, hey, yeah. So I know like it's kind of dark here in uh, in World War II. I'm like, how do they teach that over here? And he says, oh, yeah. He's like, when they when they get to that point, that's when everybody in the class basically sits up and started paying attention. It's yeah. like they don't they they don't hold back. It's like they say exactly what happened, and it's very yeah. Because right, it's Germany like really messed up, and then to the to the east of Germany is Poland, right? That's the first place that Hitler charged into because he was like, just put the guns down. And they were like, all right. Then after that, it's Lithuania, right? Lithuania is very close to Poland. Yeah, yeah. Most flights I didn't, but most flights actually would connect in Warsaw to get to Lithuania. Yeah. So, I mean, it makes sense. Geographically, it makes sense. Hitler sort of, you know, he ran rampant around this little area of the world before he started trying to get to France and England and Russia. Um, Yeah. But yeah, look, that part of the world teaches their history. Very honestly, Japan doesn't. And I've learned more about Japan's history, not in Japan. Right. I would say you probably agree with that. Like going to South Korea and Singapore has taught me more about Japan's awful history and Hong Kong about Japan's awful history than Japan yeah. itself. 
Because the Japanese don't talk about all the atrocities they did, not even just World War II, of them sort of just rolling through Asia, raping and murdering millions of people. <laughs> like J- Japan's history is not very favorable. The last, you know, the last thirty years is all fun and robots and you know whatever. But it's it's ah, they were kind of <laughs> monsters. Um, because every country, ours, every country ours is no slouch to, either. I mean, the no. U.S. is uh hardly one paved by rainbows and unicorns. You know, it's no, but Japan's is specifically kind of horrific. Like we yeah. were in South Korea, and they've been doing like, it for a long time. time. They kind of perfected. We, we got it. like yeah, we got like. Three, what have we got? Almost three hundred years, two hundred fifty yeah. <laughs> years under our belt of uh, of genocide and and enslaving uh, and putting in internment camps and slavery and we've got some messed up stuff going on. There. Yes, but absolutely, absolutely. Like if you took it in a vacuum, yeah. I, I don't, I don't want to have like the cruelty Olympics here, but um, we'd be in it. We'd definitely yes, be in the in America the would be in it. Absolutely, Japan would be in it. The in Britain would Russia. be in it. Spain would be in it too, because I mean, all of South America, like all of that is just, it's Spanish colonialism. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Like the, the cruelty Olympics is a, is a dark game. And it is, uh, there's a lot of, and I mean, look, let's even be honest, right? There's parts of the middle East, Egypt history is not so good, pretty bad. And that goes back years and years and years. So like the cruelty Olympics (laughs) is pretty high South, like the Dutch with with what they did in South Africa, pretty high. Like Netherlands, like yeah, there's some monsters out there. So yeah, we're not playing the cruelty Olympics, but I mean, whether or not they tell the truth, who knows? But yeah, it's him. Yeah, I just don't like. Uh, the problem with Russia is that they're sort of like North Korea. I know Russia has more money than North Korea, but that place no, is bleak. I, I looked at a map because my geography is not great. Okay, all I know is that Russia's huge. So let me let me bring up a map for a second. Okay, I'm, can, I'm looking at the map. That? Okay, great. Yeah. Now you were right. Lithuania is it's north of Poland, right? It's right. like it hugs the northeast corner. Now there is a line between the north of Poland and mm-hmm. the southwest of Lithuania. It's like someone just took a chunk out of it, right? Yep. And it doesn't identify it, but if you click Looks those Russian. towns, <laughs> that's Russia. So what is this? It, it's Russia, I guess. There's a chunk of Russia, <laughs> but it's not connected to Russia at all. No. Like, it's like not. there's there's Lithuania, there's Poland, and then I would even say there's Belarus and Latvia between all yeah, of that. Like I zoomed out and I, yeah, like I zoomed out and I said, oh, is that is that part of Sweden? No, it, like, it's, but I so I clicked on one of the cities and it, they all say Russia. So there is, I guess, a chunk of Russia that's just it's like Russia's enclosed. ownership along the Baltic coast is basically what this is. Yeah, but like, what is it? <laughs> I don't know. I have no. Idea. <laughs> I've never seen that before. It's like Russia's stronghold on the Baltic Sea to the south, where St. Petersburg is always sort of like it's always Finland, Estonia, and Sweden to me that I always know are like right along the Baltic Sea. And St. Yeah. Petersburg's sort of part of like another gulf that's up there, but it's all part of that, all of those little bodies of water up there. And Russia has a little tiny part, and apparently they got another little tiny part that's right north of Poland. <laughs> that had to be like a negotiation thing. It's that's a like, World War II thing, absolutely. That's a leftover yeah, from World like, War II, well, where yeah, Russia's like, we want a beach. <laughs> yeah, like, well, and they say, no, this yeah. is this is Lithuanian's beach, and then Poland's like, well, this is our beach, and uh, Russia's like, like, well, we'll give you like, we'll give you this little beach and peninsula type deal thing, but that's it. Yeah, we'll what, is this this what is this area called? What is this area called? Do you know? <laughs> I, know. I, I I believe it's called the 
Kaliningrad? K A L I N I. No, because that looks like a city. Is it? Let's see. Land. But again, that that feels like that's the area. Yeah, yeah. That this whole area is called the Kalin Kaliningrad Oblast. Land between Lithuania and Poland. Yeah, Kaliningrad. You looked it up, I guess. No, I'm I'm just looking at the map. Every every city I click on has Kaliningrad underneath it. So I'm like, that's got to be the the yeah, name of this Kalinin- country. Kaliningrad. It's uh, the Russian enclave of Kaliningrad on the Baltic Sea is sandwiched between Poland to the south and Lithuania to the north and east. Annexed from Germany in 1945, the territory was was a closed military zone throughout the Soviet period. In 2013, Russia deployed short-range Iskander ballistic missiles capable of carrying nuclear warheads in the region in what it said was a response to the U.S. plans to deploy a ballistic missile defense system in Europe. Konigsberg, as the city of Kaliningrad was once known, was founded by Teutonic Knights in the 13th century. It became the one of the... The region was part of Germany until annexation by the USSR following World War II when it saw bitter fighting and suffered extensive destruction. The German population was expelled or fled after the war ended. During the Soviet period, Kaliningrad region, administratively part of the Russian Federation, was separated from the rest of Russia more than 300 kilometers to the east by the Soviet Republic of Lithuania, Latvia, and Belarus. Since Lithuania joined the EU, it has been impossible to travel between the ex- the exclave and the rest of Russia overland without crossing the territory of at least one EU state. There has been friction, particularly with Lithuania, over transit regulations. Interesting. Huh. Look, this is very interesting. I found an article on The Guardian. I won't read it, but the article is basically Kaliningrad, the Russian exclave with a taste for for Europe. So it seems like at some point, these people are going to want to no longer be part of Russia. <laughs> it's coming. Yeah, this article why are you doing this now? Basically, basically them saying after Crimea, uh, the people in this town were sort of like, um, we don't necessarily know if we, we have no common border with you and you're 300 miles to the east. So like the Lithuanians are pretty cool. Can we just like, yeah, yeah and they're kind of like, look, them. we travel to Poland. The Poles are good people. The Lithuanians are good people. Uh, the Russian state is telling a bunch of lies because that's not what's actually happened over here. So like they're Europe and they don't see it through a television screen because they literally walk across the they walk across the border and see Europe. So, yeah, this is interesting. I think we found uh, if there's a place that's going to pop off with Russia. It might be one of these places. Like, this place is weird. I never knew this even existed. Yeah, me neither. I had no idea. Huh, look at that. Well, you learned something today. <laughs> there you go. You're welcome. All right. We can quickly go to... Uh, we'll go to the next story quickly. Um, this is very quick. Microsoft Solitaire game is 30. As of yesterday. Wow. Yeah. Is, does Reading it still come on gadget? computer? I'm going to type it up now. Let's see if it's there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Microsoft Solitaire, which taught the world to use a mouse and waste unprecedented amounts of time, is turning 30 today. The game first came out along with Windows 3.0, launched in 1990 with great fanfare, and is still played by 35 million people per month in 200 markets and 65 languages. That's weird. 65 wow, languages? This... What? Why do you need Solitaire in different languages? So no I just words. loaded this up on my computer, the Microsoft Solitaire collection, and this thing has gotten a major upgrade. <laughs> There's all sorts of graphics on here. There's big sounds. I don't know if you heard that through my headphones as I loaded it up. There's big sounds. There's a polar bear. There's a Klondike version of this game. Wow. Solitaire has taken a oh my giant God, turn. You're right. That was loud. Holy shit. Yeah. Close. This is nuts. Yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. There you go. 
So there you go. And now I'm going to sit here and play solitaire as we're talking. (laughs) All right, enjoy. Windows 3.0 is the first popular version of Windows, having sold 10 million copies. At the time, many folks were used to the text-based DOS and PC uh, on PC and had never used a mouse. Solitaire was perhaps the first gamification app, teaching folks how to drag and drop in a colorful and a highly addictive way. The game, programmed by by Microsoft intern Wes Cherry, that's a cool name, even had a boss mode that lets you pop up a fake spreadsheet if your boss came along. That never oh, made yeah. the final. That never made the final Windows 3.8, 3.0 release. However, what a shame! Solitaire is not only a great mindless pastime, but it's used. But it used to be a way to get a rough check on the speed of your PC. It launched shortly after Intel introduced the eight. 80286 processor which bounced the cards at a realistic speed microsoft apparently locked the animation to your pc's performance though so by the time the pentium processor came along it ran at a zany high speed i did not know that that's interesting i didn't know that either wow solid solitaire was stripped from windows in version 8 but microsoft brought it back for windows 10 in 2015 the microsoft solitaire collection now yeah, has five different right modes. now along with the daily challenges, Xbox Live integration, and even competitions. To celebrate the anniversary, Microsoft is inviting players to join its event, quote, with our goal to reach the most games of Microsoft Solitaire completed in one day. And Wow. Well, look, I'm doing my part right now. I'm in it. I forgot, uh, I forgot how mindlessly fun this is. <laughs> yeah, it's simple, right? And it's Very like, a, it's an easy time killer. And it makes time go by way quicker like it reminds me of playing like a blackjack app or even doing pick cross puzzles it's like by the time you finish one game it's 30 minutes later and you're like holy shit yeah if uh, there's ever a definition of a time waster it's this game yeah there was something that people wrote about solitaire back in the day like if you play it 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 helps like hone your brain or something like that sure i mean that's there's always been those types of things i mean what was it the nintendo ds came out with all those brain games that like blew up because yeah, people especially older people they released rougher switch but it's yeah. not available in the u.s yeah older people are always told sort of like hey playing these games actually does help with your memory to sort of fight the onset of dementia the onset of some of these other diseases it like it helps maybe with the it's again it's like constant recall memory using the parts of your brain that you maybe don't use very often if you're not playing games, if you're not solving problems, right? Like if you're doing a job that you've been doing for a long time, eventually you don't really, maybe don't have good recall. Um, so playing games like Solitaire, I think the science says it's supposed to help. Um, but then again, this is always one of those things that there's one study and then, hey, play games because it helps you buy this stuff. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. Cool. Well, there you go. Solitaire. Playing now Solitaire. I'm, I'm doing good right now. I haven't, uh, haven't completely crapped out, so I'm doing all right. Great. Then... Uh... Because every game of Solitaire is winnable, right? Is that right? No, that's definitely not true. I mean, it might be, but there was something that I heard that like every single game of something is always winnable. So if you don't win, you mess it up. Let's find out. Is every because now I'm curious. I really hope the answer is no. Is every game of Solitaire winnable? There we go. Thanks, Google. Research has shown that every game of Windows Solitaire is winnable except for one. Oh, on oh, Windows, okay. it is. Okay, so that's yeah. I remember hearing that like every game is winnable. So if you don't game win, number, you're... oh my god, game number eleven thousand nine hundred eighty-two is impossible to win. The fact Whoa. has been proven both by human players and computer players. It is believed that this is the only game of Windows Solitaire that cannot be won. Huh. <laughs> so I was right. I was right about that. Yeah, I guess so. There you go. Um, all right, I got a fun. Re- <laughs> 
reddish, bluish, blackish, Jewish. And this one lives up to its name. <laughs> you ready? I'm I ready. really, I really hope you heard this. And if not, oh, you are in for a treat. Reading from Slate. Um, I'm not even going to read the headline because that gives away the, the story. Joe Biden <laughs> believed he had something to say. His Friday appearance on The Breakfast Club, a nationally syndicated black radio show, was ending. Was ending. His handler was rushing him off the call, and the former vice president and apparent Democratic presidential nominee wanted to get across a message. Have you heard what this is? No, I haven't. <laughs> Quote, if you have a problem figuring out whether you're for me or Trump, then you ain't black. End quote. <laughs> Biden said. <laughs> he, he didn't say that. No way. He did. I saw oh my it. God. Yeah. He had a look of accomplishment on his face as if he had just done something noteworthy. And he had, but not in the way he thought. Instead, he's unleashed a fury against his own halting campaign to beat Across, to beat Donald Trump in 2020, Team Trump and other well-known conservatives seized on the moment. Democrats were understandably pissed, and black <laughs> folks online were as well, also pretty pissed. By the afternoon, Biden had followed up saying he, quote, shouldn't have been such a wise guy, end quote. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I can't believe he's going to be the president. Oh, he's going <laughs> to run for president because he probably won't win. I mean, look, well, I, I hate way to more say to this article than I thought, but that's it. You I get to, it. I, 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 I tried. Now, wait, before I go ahead, I want to say I tried to find um, this. So that was reading from Slate. I tried to find the um, the source from The Root <laughs> to see how they would have uh, phrased this, how they would have uh, positioned this story. Uh, but they did not. So they they did, however, have a greater recap of this interview, and they but it was way too long. So I might go back into it for next week and pick out some of the good parts because it sounds wild. I mean, I, I think the dirty secret, and I just beat Solitaire. I got a score of seven hundred and five minutes and forty five seconds. So I did it. Um, uh, is he is he wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I can't say. I don't think this is my oh. place to say. I, can't. I don't think. It's my place to say either but i mean there's part of me that goes he, he shouldn't have said it but he's not wrong i don't think he's wrong <laughs> so yeah let's talk about we could go into detail next week especially if it's still a story um because yeah i, I mean i well, mean they I need look, something most, right conservatives need something so if they're I think right now the best people, they got is he's he's showing signs of alzheimer's meanwhile that uh trump isn't i guess it's one of those things where it's kind of like we know, Joe, just don't say it. Like, if you say it, it makes it... Like, we know. We're going to vote for you. Just shut up. Don't say it. And it's. I think that's why people are probably upset with him, because it's kind of like, dude, when you say it, it makes all of us look bad, as if we don't... Black people don't care about the politics. They just vote for... You know, they just voted for Obama because he's black. And part of me is like, yeah, I did vote for him because he's black. Ain't nothing wrong with that, but I'm not going to tell you that. Larry, Larry, Wilmore, Larry Wilmore has yeah. the best take on that. He's like, yeah, I voted for Obama because he's black. That's it. First black president, got to vote for yeah. him. He says, Pretty next much. guy? No, now you got to make a case. He's yeah. <laughs> like, now you got to show up and actually show me something. But the first guy, yeah, yeah I was going to vote for him. I'm voting for him. Sorry. I'm going to vote for the first black People president. People are like, you I still support really Barack? Know. Yeah. It's funny thing is, like, you still support Barack Obama? He's like, is he still black? Yes, I do. <laughs> So like he's not wrong. This I I think what what upsets me about Joe Biden is that he just thinks because he has a black friend that we all like him. 
which is part of the problem. It's like, well, no, I know Obama, right? I'm one of you, right? Nudge, nudge. Like, I'm just waiting for him to drop the N-word and then to see where we go from there. <laughs> I almost want him just to do it, just to see what happens. And and just don't drop it with the hard ER. Just put an A at the end of it. Like, you like you just, know. Just to, just to hear liberals move, lose their mind, how they spin yes. that one. I mean, look, if, if Trump supporters could spin everything he does into a positive, then this is nothing, right? Like, just just roll with it. it honestly, the own it. Like, say what the you're problem saying. problem with the is liberals, though. Yeah, this is a problem with liberals, though, is that they they've sort of they they campaign on this this higher than thou woke, like being woke. This woke thing, and so they're willing to eat their own, which I think has always been the problem. Of like, yeah, we understand that he shouldn't have said this, but is he wrong? Yes, he's wrong. This is it's like, yeah, if, if everything was perfect, he would be wrong. But look at the monster on the other side. His people don't care about this political correctness, yet the liberals tend to eat their own in this regard. Like like what they did to Al Franken, right? That's a perfect example where Al Franken, yeah, he probably made a mistake. But then even after looking at this, you're like, well, was when he did that, like, was that worth him losing his job? Probably not. And the lib, but this is the way liberals tend to do things they tend to eat their own for saying see we believe in this we'll even cut off the heads of our own leaders and the other side goes well that's dumb you shouldn't have done that <laughs> i'll send you the um i'm gonna send you the link to the wow i can't believe he said that but that's the thing is that he's not wrong and i think i, I would sort of be like i don't think he's wrong um this is hilarious I said we, we need or, to get or, people or your paris denard Wait, yeah, isn't that I guy mean, like, uh, <laughs> your your old buddy? What's his name? The guy in uh, Michigan. Which guy in Michigan? The Republican of Michigan. That guy. He he ran for something and he lost. You oh, he the, ran for Senate. Um. Um. Wow. Why am I two first on names? names. <laughs> why am I why am I blanking on his name? This is awful. Two first names. <laughs> this is like a, name. It's like a family friend, and I don't remember his name. It's John. Um, Wow, I completely he's got two first names though, isn't it? He's got that's a, awful. My mom's gonna listen to this and be ashamed of me. <laughs> I don't remember their wait. last name. <laughs> John James. John James. There you go. There you go. See wow. two first that's, names. That's pretty bad. I remember that. It's early. It's early. Forgive me. Um, but but again, like he's not like I'm sure some people voted for John James because he was black. Like, you know, he's black, but he's got some weird ideals that the rest of us don't agree with, but you know. He's black, so yeah, I'm a vote for the just like look, a lot of people that voted for the voted for Trump because he wasn't a woman. A lot of people voted for Hillary because she was a woman. That's how people vote. So you just don't say it. Like that's kind of part of the problem. You just don't go out there and say, "Well, I'm voting for her because she's a woman." Like you sort of have to give this fake guys. Yeah, but you, you care could about say, "Like I'm, right. I'm voting for. I'm not voting for Biden. I'm voting for not Trump because Trump is racist." And again, look, if if I'm gonna really play the 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 political correctness card determining your blackness has nothing to do with who you vote for. Like whatever, like fine. We'll get that. We'll get that out of the way that whether or not you're black pretty much is just a skin color thing. It's got nothing to do with anything else. Like the way that you act, the way that you behave, the way that you talk, it's got nothing to do with you're not black enough. And that's where the black community is going to say, you don't get to determine people's blackness based on the way that they vote. Like, okay, but they're not wrong. He's not wrong. (laughs) It's like, in this case, he's not wrong. (laughs) I don't care whether or not you live in the middle of the inner city or you live in a penthouse somewhere. You can't vote for Trump if you're black. <laughs> so I'm kind of with Joe. But this is these are our these are our candidates. <laughs> well, I don't want to tell you. Well, enough of that shit. Let's we can move on. Yes, please. A little media therapy because I think I think we really need it. 
after this. Uh, this is kind of a heavy, heavy one. So, who's older? We'll start with the question. Paul Giamatti or Rosario Dawson's boyfriend, Cory Booker? <laughs> oh, Cory Booker's got to be older, right? He's got to be older by a couple of years. No. Oh. <laughs> Paul Giamatti is a year huh. older than Cory Booker. Wow. Okay. I would have not guessed that. Cory Booker looks good, though. Oh, yeah. I just would have figured he was a little older. Yeah. Yeah, you know, saving cats kind of puts a little age on you. But no, he's looking good. I looked that up. I was um, I was just watching Unstoppable. That was on TV. Fun movie. Uh, Tony Scott, rest in peace. Can't make movies about trains anymore. Um, he and Rosario Dawson did it. And I was like, how, how old is Rosario Dawson? She's only 41. Yeah, uh, she's young. But I didn't realize she was actually, she was dating Cory Booker. I feel like I heard something about that, but I also kind of like that happened when he was because he's also known for being like a vegan and all this other stuff as well. Uh, now I like him. Um, and yeah, <laughs> and I also I also know that he speaks Spanish because he would always get up there and pander to like that whole remember when they were going the round table and all of these all of these yes. um, when Beto started and then Cory Booker did it. And then uh, Julian Castro was like, what What are we doing? Like, What is happening? Like, I, I, I could definitely speak Goes back to that woke thing. Yeah, like again, this is this is part of the problem with the Democrats. They they like to prove to everyone that they're you know that they're better than them. Um, so yeah, I'm not surprised by that though because he's he's one of the dudes that he's like progressive and woke, and you know he would sort of yeah he would sort of be in that world with Rosario Dawson. And the minute that you start being interested in politics as someone in Hollywood, I mean, it's a pretty good guy to get. He's a good looking guy, young younger, I guess. He's not sixty. So, yeah, <laughs> there you go. So um, I told you about my the VR workout I've been doing. Mm-hmm. You so uh, I'll let you go uh, start this one off. And if I really have anything of interest to say afterwards, I will. Otherwise, we'll so look, I, w- I want to I know that Arlen's not here, but I want to talk about 90 Day Fiance with you. OK, OK, oh, wonderful. So I'm watching this season called B- Before the 90 Days. Right. And this is. Before they go through the process of getting the K-1 visa, which allows for your spouse to come into the U.S. for 90 days, and basically it's supposed to be for you to prepare to be married, right? Like, hey, you met someone overseas, and you're saying, we're going to get married. I just need 90 days to get all that stuff legally bound, and then I'll then I'll get a spousal visa. So I right. need a for visa people now. Listening, for people listening, you will spoil what's going on in this, right? Yes, I'm definitely going to spoil what's going on. So if you have not watched this before get the 90 up. days season, you can probably just shut the podcast off because we're probably going to be done after this. Cool. So... I'm watching the season before the 90 days. One of the main characters in this is Big Ed, right? You've seen yeah, Big of course. Ed. We talked about it before. Right. We talked about Big, Big Man. Ed. So showered shower about... with, uh, with this lady's dad, right? Yep. So I'm not going to talk about Big Ed, right? The dude I'm going to talk about this, this week is David. David. Now, yes. David is a 60-year-old man, right? 60-year-old man from, from Las Vegas. I'm going to Google this guy. Right. Just again, don't you'll you'll Google it, but just I'm you just might search spoil David. It. I'm just I'm just yeah, gonna okay. go to pictures. So just so again, if you go to just images before ninety days season four, David, right? Click just on like, cl- okay. just go to images. Yeah, right? I'm looking you at see a picture him. of him and this blonde woman. Yes, and this blonde woman who is pretty from, good for sixty. You know, he doesn't look too bad for sixty. Looks pretty good, right? Sixty yeah. year old yeah, guy. He's obviously got a bit of money. 
He's got a bit of money. He's um, doing well. And apparently he's been dating, and I put dating in quotes, this woman named Lana, who is from the Ukraine, for the past seven years, right? So if Dave is now 60, he's been in this online relationship with her since she was since he was 53. I believe she's now in her late 20s, so maybe she was at the time 21, 22, right? And so he's been on this dating service. I don't know what the dating service is, but I believe that it's called Anastasia Dating, which apparently apparently is geared toward American and Western men finding. I was was thinking it was, it had something to do with that other woman. Oh, but that was in, not Antifa. Yeah, 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 that's, that's Anfisa. Antifa. Antifa (laughs) is the anti-fascist people. Yes. (laughs) Antifa something else. A, A lot of, a lot of names going on here. Yeah. Anyways, David, David is, um, I believe that's the, that's the site that he's on, which is like an online dating site. I believe, I'm not sure, but that seems to be the one that all these dudes get sort of caught up in because they're looking for blonde, blue-eyed Ukrainian and Russian women, which is just odd to me. I don't get the appeal. I guess I'm just not a white guy. So he's been on this online relationship with her for, for seven years, right? He's tried to meet her three times in person and each time she didn't show, right? Anastasia so this... offers, yeah, connecting singles across the world to their, uh, you know, love knows no boundaries. That's their uh, slogan. And again, right. the Ukrainian women in general are known for being a bit cold, a bit, you know, they're out for money. Like, unfortunately, the people who are on these sites are sort of looking for rich American men to either bring them to America or to pay them a bunch of money for stuff. So anyways, this has been seven years, right? Seven years of him talking back and forth with her. He's tried to meet her a couple times. She's kind of flaked out on him. He's given her, and I'm going to make this number up, but it's high like this, like 200 grand over seven years. He sent her money for various things, sent her money for plane tickets that she didn't show up on. He's sort of been shelling out money to her, right? So we pick up this story where basically... Uh, just to just to as I'm gonna weave in and out of this thing okay, as yep. I look into the site. Um reading from Ukrainiandatingstories.com by Christina, which that's spelled K-R-Y-S-T-Y-N-A, because of course, here's the headline, AnastasiaDate.com. It is not a dating site, it is a fraud. You may continue. Yes. Yeah, so that's the thing. Like I think that there's a big uh, there's a big group of girls who go on here to fraud these men. Right. But David believes in this relationship. It's been seven years. He's in Vegas. Right. He's talking to his friends. He's like, I've never had love before. This is the this is the woman of my dreams. He has no kids. He's trying to find this. This is the one. This is the one that he's going to end the rest of his life with. Sure. And he's got all these people telling him, like, David, you've tried to meet her three, four times. Like, are you sure you're not getting scammed? No, I, I believe I'm not getting scammed. I believe I'm not getting scammed. So this whole epi- this whole this whole series with his portion of this show is him going over to the Ukraine because she's supposed to meet him. And of course, he gets to the Ukraine, he flies there and she just doesn't answer him. So he's like, "Well, I've got a ad- I've got a I've got an address for her in Pavlograd. I'm going to go find her because I can't wait anymore. I have to find her. I don't know why she's not answering my calls. She's, I told her I was coming over here. She just didn't answer. I'm going to go find her. So he goes through this whole journey, and he's got a friend in the Ukraine who's telling him, like, hey, Pavlograd is, like, right on a war zone. You shouldn't just go over. Like, that's on the border of Russia. You shouldn't be going to Pavlograd to go find some random woman who probably doesn't exist. Hey, look, I'm in Ukraine. I'm a Ukrainian woman. 
this is what these Ukrainian girls do. It's a bit like the Nigerian prince thing. They sort of scam you out of money. I'm sorry you got scammed, but she probably doesn't exist. So we follow David. David's like, I don't care. I'm renting a car. I'm going to Pavlograd. I'm going to surprise her. It's be a great movie. Drives his car to Pavlograd. He's got this picture of this woman on his phone. He can't speak a lot of Ukrainian. He's going into shops saying, hey, do you know who this is? The woman's shaking her head. And then afterwards, the TV camera crew goes, hey, does this happen often? And the woman's like, yeah, there's a lot of American guys that come in here looking for girls. Oh, Jesus. (laughs) So then, apparently, he finally gets in contact with her. And she says, hey, I'll meet you at this restaurant. You know, yeah, hey, cool. Grab that you're here. I'll meet you at the restaurant. So he goes to the restaurant. He buys roses and champagne. And he sits there for hours and hours, and she never shows up. He gives the roses to the, he leaves the roses there. He leaves, he pays the woman. The woman grabs the flowers, and the camera crew goes to the woman who runs the restaurant. And he goes, she goes, yeah, it happens a lot. A lot of men come in here with roses looking for women. He's, so again, the whole time I'm watching this with Allison, it's like, I wonder if that's the woman. I wonder if that, that woman is probably the one who's running the scam to get like free roses and champagne to a shop. <laughs> so like, you're watching this whole time of being like, this dude is getting scammed. Like you're watching it. You're watching him getting scammed. You're watching him getting scammed. He says, he then goes, well, I've got her address. I've got an address that she gave me. I'm going to go surprise her. And so like, it's of course like there's reality TV show. There's suspense built up in all of this. Right. So he's like walking down the street. They're behind him. He knocks on the door. Of course, they cut next time. And you're just like, oh, who's behind the door? Next ep- next episode, he knocks on the door. Door opens. Old white guy. Who's like, who are you looking for? Who is this? And he's like, well, I'm looking for this girl. She said this is her address. And the guy's like, no, 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 no. This isn't, this isn't her address. I've lived here for 50 years. The camera crew talks to him afterwards. Hey, have you had? He's like, no, I've never had a knock on my door before. But I'm not surprised. Ukrainian girls, you know, this is what they kind of do. It's like, I'm sorry, someone used my address. I feel bad for the guy. Seems like a nice guy, right? So they sort of do this all in Ukrainian. So he flies back to Vegas. He's back at Vegas. He's now sitting here with his friend. He's, he's got a friend who also has a Ukrainian wife. And so David says he's going to hire a private investigator in Ukraine. Okay. Right? Sounds he, completely he is rational. Determined, he's determined to find out what has happened to his the love of his life, Lana. Seven years. Seven is years she, of Is pet. she responding to him or no? That's what happened. There's like she responds every once in a while because it gets hard to track because he sort of jumps on the online thing. He's never seen her. He's never done a video call with her. He's never done like a Skype call or a phone call. It's all been through like text chat. It's all been through like basically like – like DMs, like direct messages with her on this site. So she pops on and goes, hey, my love, I'm sorry, you know, whatever, whatever. She makes some type of excuse or she just doesn't even acknowledge it. And David just goes, no, 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 I know she's the one. You know, maybe something happened. Last time she couldn't meet, she was sick. Last time she couldn't meet, her mom died. Last time she couldn't meet, this happened. Like she keeps, she's been making all these excuses of why she couldn't meet him. So he hires a private. My mom died again. I'm sorry. Yeah. So my my other mom died. (laughs) So, so. He hires a private investigator. The private investigator is Ukraine on the phone with his Ukrainian friend who's translating for him. And the guy goes, hey, so I did some background into this woman. And based on the site, she's talking to nine or ten other men. I'm assuming that she's probably not real. Look, this happens a lot. And David's response to this was, he doesn't know what he's talking about. I don't believe him. I don't believe him. This isn't true. (laughs) And the Ukrainian friend is asking him. You're probably one of them. He's asking the guy, like, hey, you know, he doesn't believe you. And he's like, look, this happens all the time. And she's trying to explain to him, hey, look, he's telling this happens all the time, right? This is just how it works. So David, defeated, sits there and, and, and you know, he gets a message from her and goes, hey, I'm in Kiev. Um, you know, maybe, you know, hey, um, you know, let's try to, hey, I want to still meet you. I still want to meet you. 
David, of course, goes, okay, this is it. This is the one. He flies back to Ukraine, right? So this is his sixth trip to the Ukraine. Now he's in Kiev. Perfect sense. He's in Kiev, and the first thing he does is he gets a, he hires a translator to find the private investigator because he wants to talk to the private investigator face to face. Because when he gets there, he gets a hotel room. He messages her, says, "Hey, I'm here. Let's meet up." And she goes, "Oh, I can't. My nephew's got hockey games this weekend. Let's meet on Monday." And he's like, "I got here on Friday. What am I going to do for the weekend? You told me to fly here so we could meet." So he then gets the private investigator. The private investigator again sits, kind of sits there and tells him again, like, hey, look, dude, I don't know what you want me to tell you. I'm sorry. I did all this stuff. And David's like, no, you're awful at your job. He even has this thing where he goes, tell him he's fired. Like, he's, he's David's he's a bit of a weird dude, but, you know, whatever. So all this is going on. And apparently she says, hey, let's meet on Monday. And so David, again, you're watching the show and you're going, this this, this dude is getting scammed. He's getting How many scammed. episodes so is this going a on lot, for? A lot. It's about so it's So the, basically all these episodes is just David like running in circles? Yes. It's David wow. running in circles and him basically being defeated like this doesn't exist. This doesn't exist. And we're all watching. It's like, dude, you're getting scammed. This dude. has got to have a payoff. Scammed. Otherwise, like, You are what? getting they, scammed. Dude, this, so, is, this is content. This is nuts. He's got, dude, I'm telling you, dude, this show, is it's got me. It's got now, do they weave between David and Big Ed? Big Ed, and they also weave between this other woman named Yolanda. Okay, so who, it's not it's not like you got it. So it's not like no. you have an hour of David being like no. talking to Although his buddy, I, being like, "Bro, I totally would watch an hour of David because it's fascinating <laughs> to watch how this dude is just he's willing to put up with this woman, no, or who we think exists, right? Like we don't know who this is. Like it's just all you've seen is pictures. You've seen pictures of this blonde girl in bikinis and standing there in photos and all this stuff, right? So but we good. get to this episode, we get to the end of this episode and David, again, he's in this really creepy black trench coat. He's sitting there with flowers and gifts there. And the camera crew is just like, yeah, well, all right, man. This Did they it. interview the camera up. crew at all? Cause I want to know what they're, I, I, the I want is. them to, I want, I want, I, I would love to hear someone who's actually part of this show. Give me like a real honest assessment. Cause look, there's a lot of, there's a lot of handholding. There's a lot of like, they push these people. Like, I don't think David, David's a dummy, but I don't think he's this dumb. I think they push him to keep doing this because someone's probably playing for his flight. Someone probably like they're trying to make content, right? So David going back to the Ukraine over and over again is good for business because obviously I'm hooked. I'm watching this thing. And he's sitting there at the top of these steps in the middle of Kiev on Monday where she's supposed to meet him. And he's sitting there. He's waiting. He's waiting. He's waiting. And at the end of the episode, he goes, is that her? I can't tell if that's her. End and he of goes, episode. And he goes, Oh, no, it is her. And they cut the camera over, and it's her. This woman is real. And I lost my mind because it was 14 <laughs> episodes of this dude wandering around the Ukraine with this woman who basically ignored his phone calls, ignored his texts, said, I'd meet you and I wouldn't meet you, made up tons of excuses, and she shows up. She's real. This woman is a real-life woman who looks like her photos. They sit there, they hug, they cut the episode. I'm on my couch with my mouth open. Like, I can't believe that just happened. This is the greatest TV show of all time. (laughs) I know it's not rational, but man, was this entertaining. So look, if you've listened to this whole story, you should still watch it. It's still amazing to watch. If you, if you, is that the latest then he just, they showed that she's real and that's the latest that's happened. Well, after that, there's another episode that came out last week. And then you find out that like, no, she's still a bit of a scumbag. She's real, but she's a scumbag where she's basically like, yeah, you know, Ah, you know, money. <laughs> and her friends get together. It's like, ah, oh, you're dating this guy. Are you still dating with him? Oh, well, he's done some things wrong. It's like, what has he done wrong? You're like, we well, haven't done anything wrong. He he's didn't just buy me that thing. He only bought me things with 
three so, zeros instead of four. Yeah, so like you start to find out, like, yeah, she is kind of gold digging him, but then there's sort of you can tell that someone's in her ear, like, do you love him? And she's like, yes. Kind of laughing, like, yes, I think. So like Repeat that's the part question. Of this, that's part of the appeal now of like, does she actually care about this dude? Is this actually a real thing? Because he met her and he was like me, where he was just like, oh my god, I can't believe you're real. He was basically sitting there giggling like a schoolgirl for most of the last episode because he couldn't believe it. And I was like, you know what? I don't blame him because I would have had the same reaction of being like, I've been chasing you for eight years, seven years, and you actually exist. Because at some point he was like, I just want to know. I just want to know is she real? I want to know am I getting scammed by an old lady? He's like, I just need a conclusion of this. If this isn't real, I've come to terms with the fact that this might not be a real thing. I'm just going to find But I have to know. I have to know who am I talking to. Am I talking to some dude in the middle of Ukraine? Just I want to know. And come to find out this is a real woman. This woman exists and she actually looks like her photo. Like it's again, normally you see these photos, you're like, okay, that's a model. Like this can't be a real human being. And she's totally real. She's a real human being. It was nuts. So yeah. So now we've got probably about two episodes left. And there's other couples in this group. But this specific group of people is is amazing david to me won this show because he got made he got made a fool for 13 episodes being this lonely white dude wandering around the ukraine and then he finally got his payoff to at least prove this woman is real (laughs) so yeah that's it that's that's what i wanted to get out it's amazing i think it's totally worth watching it's a lot of time though these shows are long it's like an hour and a half an episode it's super it's long too much it's too much but god it's amazing it's amazing because big big ed has his own saga and big ed's story is, is not as fun as this one but yeah big ed made some mistakes he's it's not working out for big ed big ed's in trouble <laughs> yeah so yeah so that's what i've been doing that's my media therapy um again even if you heard this story from me this show is worth watching all of the seasons are worth watching between before the 90 days and the original um because they're ridiculous human beings on here and the americans look really awful and the foreign people look really awful it's it's a crazy train wreck it's fun <laughs> it's fun to watch <laughs> i can't but then again i can't really validate my constant cnn watching either like I, I can't really criticize this. I've said that CNN is like my housewives and yeah, it's not like there's, it's just different, different varieties of sleaze. And look, <laughs> I am not, an, I'm not a reality TV show fan. Like again, I've barely watching. I've struggled watching married at first sight because it's not as much of a train wreck as this is like, you don't get a David in some of these shows, like getting this old lonely white dude, like wandering around for episode after episode you're just like oh you clown you are gonna get played and then he it finally pays off in the end even if he does get played he still won because this girl like it would have been better for him if she didn't exist i agree if, if a dude just showed be. if a dude just showed up and he's like yeah i'm this girl <laughs> if, if it was a dude in a wig <laughs> yeah or something something that would have made david just try a different uh path in life because he, he might have this, this is her. not it's not gonna end well and this isn't David. normal either, right? Like he spent seven years of his fi- he spent the majority of his fifties. Yeah, David is a about- sad and lonely man, yes. and yes. I hope it works out for him. But because it's it's more depressing than anything when you think about it. But yep. man, what what drives people to that brink? Hey, if I'm ever this guy, uh, just slap the shit out of me, please. I will. Don't you worry. Like you Thank can't. You. You don't become David. <laughs> you just don't. I mean, you like you asked me what it would take for me to go on one of these shows. So. Yeah, it's, I mean, just for my own entertainment sake. That way they can come uh, 
We could, I can find you a New Zealand girl that wants to be on this show. You just come over here, do a couple episodes. You, you can be like, hey, here's my friend in New Zealand. I could be on the show, and I could be like, no, it should be the opposite. Do, it should man. be the opposite because it should do what we were talking about before. Then I don't have to marry you. I can marry them. Yeah. Look, you I'm know, totally and- down to make this happen. We can make this happen. We get to, get you get you chatting on Facebook, apply to the show, get your trip to New Zealand. You can hang out with me, have a camera crew follow you around. I can give some commentary. I yeah, let's do it. <laughs> <laughs> do I do I have to send dick pics at any point? Because I will not. No, no you don't have to. No, no, no. Okay, no, perfect. No. Great. I'll be, no, you don't have be to. Great. You just have to come over here and have to deal with some drama where she might yeah. be a little crazy. Like made up you know, drama. She, or she'll, drama. Yeah, she'll ask you, like, do you want kids? You'll be like, I don't want kids. And she'll be real hurt by it. Like, you got to go through that type of thing. Then when the cameras That's turn that, off, it'll be like, well, maybe. <laughs> You're like, ah, I don't really know. Like, I just no, met that, you. No, I don't really know. Hard, yeah. Like, what do you want me to answer this shit? What are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. And then they do the wrap up show in New York. So you just, you just want to be the, the, cutaway guy absolutely i absolutely do yeah i want him to cut away to me and just be like man i don't know what he's doing he's doing something real stupid and i can sit down and be like so jason how's your relationship going the question that the producer just fed to me in my ear and i sit like there it's, and great. Yeah. it's paying it's paying residual checks it's awesome <laughs> yeah I, I just want to be the guy on the side that's just like i know jason for a long time he's making a big mistake man i wouldn't do <laughs> I wouldn't do this at all, and just got to smile at the camera, and that's it. That's my that's my role. And then you can travel around New Zealand. You you know they'll they'll pay for a bunch of stuff. They'll probably pay for your flight. Um, apparently they've been doing COVID nineteen episodes where it's like uh, ninety day fiance quarantined, where it's like these couples who are like in their house, like getting real antsy because like we were supposed to have the visa ready by now, but now COVID nineteen everything shut down. I won't be able to get my love over here. And again, dude, it's it's amazing. It's so it's it's a train wreck, but it's so much fun to watch. All right, you keep me posted on that. You'll do all the work. And um, oh, I'll totally head, do the work. Yeah, yeah. If, I'll, you, need, I'll if you need a headshot, just just let me know. And uh, alrighty, me, me and Alice will find somebody here at least to do for the show. You don't have to marry him, but it'd at least be fun to see where this goes. <laughs> okay, cool. Sounds good. And if you if it's uh you know just try to I know like they have to be crazy, but you know try not try not to. No, be but you can crazy. be a little crazy too though, because it's not always the woman. Sometimes women are perfectly rational, and it's the dude that's nuts. Um, so you get again, you both can be a little crazy. Be like, I want pancakes. <laughs> yeah, again, I'll you just be, I'm gonna be the lunatic who's just looking for iced tea, and they're like, "Oh, here's this idiot." <laughs> yeah, like you just have to complain about stuff. You just have to be like overly American. Of like, they'll show you like, "Hey, we're gonna go to a sheep farm." You're like, "Man, I don't touch sheep. I'm from New York City. They gotta do that." Kind of stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I don't sound like, like, like that. I would touch no, you a don't. Sheep. But 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 again, but you could do that, and then I'd have to do it. Yeah. Then people on the internet will hate you. Why does he sound like that? We don't sound like that in New York. Because then you get all these people who are just like, Jason's awful. I hate Jason. Like, that's what you need. That's the, that's, that's what people you need. people to hit me. All right. Well, or Fair people enough. love you. Either one. Or we find, or if we find a monster here that then everyone feels super sympathetic for you. Like, oh, Jason. Oh, this sad guy. You never know, man. It might work out in your favor in the long run. <laughs> all right. Well, we'll see where it goes. All right. That's all on you. Yeah. Um, you, right. wanted to, you wanted to start this show, so you get to end it. All right. That's it for uh, He's Abroad. Um, you can find us. I don't know how you end these shows. Do <laughs> you just do that. Uh, just go to the website. Uh, he's abroad.com. Go to all the social links. You can subscribe to us on all the podcast services. Oh, we never talked about Joe Rogan going exclusive to Spotify, but you know, we could, that doesn't really Look, matter. I'm happy to extend this. Are we, are we doing some bonus content? All right, real quick. Hot take. What I do you think? Rogan, Rogan went, Rogan signed like a hundred million dollar contract to go to, to go to Spotify. 
I haven't listened to a Joe Rogan podcast in probably a couple of years. I'm subscribed. Um, I don't listen to many of them unless there's a guest on. But since my backlog is over 40 hours, I haven't listened to any Joe Rogan. But uh, yeah, he signed a deal to go exclusive to Spotify for like 100 million dollars is a lot of money. So I don't blame him for that. And right? that means YouTube as well. His stuff's not going to be on YouTube either. Just clips. But am I wrong in saying that part of Joe Rogan's appeal was that he was he was Bropra, right? He was the everyman. He was basically, I don't need a corporation. I now work for myself and I do things how I want to do them on my time frame. If I want to do 10 episodes can, a week, but yeah. I'll do 10 episodes a week. If I want to put something on YouTube, I'll put it on YouTube. It doesn't matter. I'll talk to whoever I want to. Is that not going to like the minute you get paid a hundred million dollars or something, you can't tell me that Spotify is just going to let him do whatever he wants, right? Well, apparently, like apparently they will. He was. What's weirder about it is I went to the like the Reddit forum and be like, "Are people cool with this?" And yeah, they're all really cool with it, which shows like Joe Rogan fans are really like in the tank because I'm looking at this like, well. I'm not going to use the Spotify app for one podcast. I'm never going to listen to Joe Rogan again. That's just kind of how it is. How COVID-19 has completely pushed podcast into basically like Netflix streaming movies territory because you've got all of these celebrities. And again, look, we started, we started doing podcasting. What in 2014, early 2014. Yeah. So we're six in of doing this with not many listeners, but we do it because we enjoy doing it, right? Like we do it because it's fun to talk to each other and we just happen to record it. But podcasting has turned into now there's all these different podcasts and most of them are heavily produced. It's almost like a TV show, right? Like you listen to any of the NPR podcasts, you listen to any of these comedy podcasts, you listen to like, I remember Bill Burr was probably one of the first people that really started doing just podcasts just because he loved doing it. And he's still probably the one who's really following his format the most. Where he hasn't completely changed He's over, never to, okay, changed. Well, now there's a, where there's the a giant thing. producer team behind me, right? I've got five guys who sit here and do this, and we have all these segments. He's not doing that. He's just literally ranting into a microphone, which is enjoyable. Yeah. Listen, it's amazing, to. so good. But again, like this is this is we're going away from that podcasting as whole, right? Because Spotify is obviously seeing they release this podcast platform, and they're obviously paying people for exclusive rights to their podcast. They want to be known to as hey. You subscribe to Spotify because we give you all the podcasts you want to listen to. Yeah. Which is just interesting. It's interesting to see that this is where podcasting is going, where podcasting was really always like, hey, all you need is a microphone and a way to record yourself, and it doesn't take much. You don't need to have any video skills. You don't like doing audio stuff is really simple. It's not that hard. And it seems like we're getting away from that. And I believe that the coronavirus is a big push for that because people are scrounging for content, whether it's podcast or streaming or whatever they're scrounging. They're looking for content yeah. and Joe it's Rogan's weird contact provider. Or now, content let me be clear. Spotify, if you want to offer us any quantity of money for an exclusive, uh, I'll take it. Absolutely. Yeah. Like give us the money. It's cool. Look, so I, I don't um, have Joe Rogan's principal. I'll sell out in a minute. <laughs> yeah. 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 For this thing. Sure. Absolutely. I, I have like different things that I will, Determine where to sell out my principles. Um, capitalism is cool. If you want to buy uh, the exclusive exclusivity of this podcast, go for it. We are, are for we on sale. Spotify, by yep. the way? Yeah, we're on oh, Spotify. Absolutely. Spotify, <laughs> we're there because we love you. Give us money. Um, but Rogan, it just seems weird because this is one of those things where you're already killing it, right? Like, what do you need it for? I feel like this well, would only turn off. Like, you're going to reduce listeners. But on the other hand, Stern didn't lose much by going to Sirius. So Stern's deal was similar, right? I mean, it's probably a little less money because it was a while ago, but it was similar. Well, I think Stern, Stern probably makes way more. 
Yeah. I mean, it's just interesting to see that this is where this is going. Because, again, and I'm not a giant Joe Rogan fan. Um, Joe Rogan, he's, again, he's Ooh, a... holy shit. How much he's money? He's on a five-year deal with Sirius in 2004 worth $500 million. Jesus. So $100 million is not that much. <laughs> in the grand. I mean, it's $100 yeah. million a year, right, for Stern. It was $100 million a year. Yeah. And that was, that was almost 20 years ago. So... Yeah, inflation would say that, you know, Joe Rogan's probably making about 75, 80 million a year in comparison to what Stern was making in 2004. So, um, look, I'm not surprised by it. Joe Rogan gets big guests, right? He's had Elon Musk on multiple times. He had he had Bernie Sanders on. He'll probably get Joe Biden on. Um, maybe. I mean, he's got I mean, he might, yeah. Well, he I wouldn't said he Biden tried yeah. He said on a podcast that they there was a bunch of politicians that wanted to go on it, but he would only get the ones on that he wanted. Like he was yeah, but again, that's the interesting thing, right? Like Joe can always sort of tell you that he's got these principles, but now you can always question it by saying, dude, you got paid a hundred million dollars to throw some of those principles away. And I don't blame you. Like, so what if you bring on Joe Biden because Spotify goes, Hey, look, this is a pretty good get. You should do this interview. And you say, you know what? Okay, I'll do it. I normally wouldn't do it, but I will. Like, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. But I will because you guys, whole... not because it's a favor, but because you guys gave me a hundred million dollars, I'll throw you, I'll throw you a few bones. Yeah. I mean, again, that's but it's natural, still my idea. Right? I want to do yeah, it. I'm, that's kind of the point, which is just why it's just interesting. Cause I thought, you know, let's say he was even making 2 million a year, right? He seemed to be the type of guy that was like, that, that's enough. 200 million a year or 2 million a year. That's fine. I don't need more than that. This podcast, I can do it when I want. I sit here. I basically chop it up with my friends. I make 2 million a year off of it by doing advertising and for whatever other things I do with it. That's plenty of money for me to live on per year. Mm-hmm. Apparently it's not. Apparently Joe Rogan's looking at this as in this is my retirement package, which again, I don't blame the guy. You're like, saying he doesn't have a retirement package. I, I don't know. I get it. I get it. Look, at the end yeah, of the day, people yeah, yeah. do this stuff all the time and I might be just bitter because it's because I use apps like that. But podcasting is so strange where it's free, I guess, to get. So it's just another thing. If you really want to listen to Rogan, it doesn't hurt you. If you wanted to watch on YouTube, then maybe, but it's just another application to have in your library. And that's what Spotify wants. Cause you're like, Oh, I guess instead of using pocket cast, I could use Spotify, but and I guess it's ultimately just, what they want. It's just weird because podcasting is sort of the, the quickest form of media, like to create as well. Like you don't have yeah. to cut video super together. Easy. You don't have, like, TikTok, it's super easy I guess. <laughs> But again, even that, I would say TikTok seems like more work to me. You got to chop stuff up. You got to do dances. You got to do something. Podcasting, I can sit here and just talk with you for an hour and 40 minutes. Like, it's not that hard. No. Um, so yeah, it's just interesting that that's where we're going. And when you start getting guys like Joe Rogan get $100 million, you're going to get more comedians, more personalities creating podcasts and trying to get similar deals. Because why wouldn't you? Right? Like, why wouldn't you? If you're, uh, let's just come up with a name of someone who's probably doing a pot. Like, if you're the Ron Burgundy podcast, right? Like, why that even exists? I don't know. But you will fare. You sit in front of a microphone for an hour, 30 minutes. You do the Ron Burgundy voice. Spotify eventually comes to you and says, hey, we want your podcast to be exclusive. We'll give you $50 million. Why would you not take that? That's like doing a movie for less work. You sit, you can sit in your underwear and sit here and record 30 minutes a week and get $50 million. I'd take that. Fair enough. Hey, Spotify, give us $50 million, please. You know what? I'll settle for less. Give us five. Five million. I mean, and, look, and you're being we'll be greedy. exclusive for me, as long as you want. Give me a couple hundred grand. and Yeah, all right. Sure. Thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So, look, it's, uh, I didn't hear that, but interesting. Very interesting. Because um, I wonder if anyone, especially comedians who have sort of, who will always claim that they sort of started the podcast, which is probably true. Um, 
that they were the ones who started sort of the long format. We're just going to talk to each other and tell jokes and say things. And if you ask the normies, um, it was serial. Yeah. Yeah, it was the it was the long, deep form investigator where it was like NPR shows. That and now you're getting to the point where you got to, again, being a comedian's hard. You Someone said I have an NPR. Group. Someone said I had an NPR voice. Yeah, maybe. No, nah, you don't have NPR voice. It's not hipster enough. Yeah, I don't. I, I, I was upset when I heard that. I was not like, yeah, I do. I don't think I do. Yeah, no, you don't. I don't think I do. You've got a good. You've, I think we've both sort of honed our radio voices here. We both got fairly decent voices for talking over a microphone. It's been six years. We should be decent at this. Yeah, there you go. Well, look at that. We'll end with, end with a little self congratulation and, yeah, and again another right. pitch to Spotify. Spotify, come on. We just did an hour forty three minutes of awesome content. You want this? Yeah, it's pretty good. Pretty you good. want this? This is a pretty good. And, and you're getting a bargain. We're not asking for Rogan numbers. Get out of here. And you're getting two two people for the for less than the price of one. Yeah, you're welcome. And you're well, I mean, Jesus, this is like a silver platter. How could you yeah. not? How could you not? All right, this is really the end. Uh, he's abroad.com. Like, subscribe, do all those things uh, to the social channels. Uh, subscribe on iTunes. Give us reviews. I don't even know if Spotify does reviews. Like, what do you do when you're on Spotify? Tell people about you it. Keep, yell, keep yelling it, right? at your keep yelling at your family that this podcast exists and um and your friends like write it down on a sheet of paper and just hand it to them and be like check it out like whisper in their ear be like this is what you need and then um and then they'll download it like just write he's abroad podcast on a sheet of paper folded with like a couple of hearts and um they'll they'll really appreciate that so until next week this podcast is over. Welcome back to He's Abroad. This is Jason, still in Jersey, joined by John, who's abroad in New Zealand. Hey, you What's know up, what? John? You're abroad you're in New York. You got to stop saying that I'm abroad. I'm a, I might have to start doing some intros for this because I'm it's not mine. abroad where I am. Fine. You want to start doing this thing? You want to control <laughs> it? Go ahead. You're, you're podcast. Maybe. You take hey, go I'm, I'm you know John. I'm, I'm in New Zealand. Zealand. You go ahead. All right. Go let's, ahead. let's restart. Here we go. Start it. Start it. Go ahead. All right.